0: And welcome again to Worship. My name is Jesse, and I'm the minister here at Scone Anglican Church. And today, our scripture reading is John, chapter 1, verses 19 to 28. John, chapter 1, verses 19 to 28. Now, this this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us what do you say about yourself?" John replied, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, "'I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord.'" Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, "'Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet?' "'I baptize with water,' John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He's the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, I have a strange habit when driving. When I see this car, a Kia Stinger with blue and orange decorations or, you know, outsidings on it, in my rearview mirror, my right foot instinctively withdraws. Anxiety rushes through my body. And then I triple check my speedometer. I'm like, am I doing the right speedo? (laughs) Even though I possess all the knowledge about the road rules... It is not until I see the physical presence of a police car that my attention is fully seized and redirected. Is that just me? Anyone else here like that? They check their speed over and over, particularly when there's a car, a police cop, you know, behind you. Well, in John chapter one, verses nineteen to twenty-eight, we meet John the Baptist, a man in the wilderness who prepared the way for the Lord. Verse 7 teaches us that he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe, might believe in Jesus when he arrived. Through his faithful ministry of teaching and baptizing, the attention of Israel was seized and redirected not towards their own selves and their own lives living in the darkness, but towards the coming Messiah King. Jesus Christ In the wilderness many people have heard the sirens the bells and alarms of the dawning light of the world Jesus Christ through the ministry the faithful ministry of John the Baptist But while many seekers believed the testimony of John and were ready to receive this king who's coming there were many who were very suspicious and hostile Towards his ministry. In fact, these men approached John to question him. On the screen, verse nineteen, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. And today, we see John minister in the face of increased hostility in this interrogation and in our reflection on this bible text we will see a lesson emerge and that is all about three words faithfulness in ministry and by saying faithfulness in ministry and saying that's a lesson for us all i'm also saying in that sentence today that we are all not just the minister all called to be ministers of the gospel in other words we are all in Ministry, there we go. We are all in ministry. We are all called to go and make disciples of all nations. That's a call for every single believer. We are all in ministry. And so, how can we be faithful in ministry? Well, John first teaches us we need to understand who we are not. Who was John not? Well, first, John was not the Christ. Look with me at verses 19 and 20. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Why was this question asked? Well, in the first century, there were many expectations about a coming king who would liberate the people of Israel from their captivity under um, the Roman rule. The Old Testament prophesied that a Messiah and Redeemer would come to bring about a brand new age of righteousness and peace. And since John was of priestly descent and had started a popular movement through his preaching and baptism, he gained a lot of attention by the religious leaders of the day and they wondered if he was the promised Messiah. They're wondering, what on earth are you doing, John? Who are you? They were curious. And in the face of this religious interrogation, John then confessed that he was not the Christ. He was not the coming Messiah. He was not the king of the world who would save the people of Israel and the rest of the world. John faithfully spoke the truth about who he was not and maintained his humble witness. And so the religious curiosity of the Jews now continues with some even more directed questions. Look at verse 21. John shows us that he's also not the Elijah. And they asked him, what then are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not are you the prophet? And he answered, no. The second question they asked is, are you the Elijah? Are you Elijah? The question is based upon Malachi 4, 5, because the Jews believe that Elijah would return. Malachi 4, 5 says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord when he comes. And so before the coming of the Lord, God would send Elijah, the prophet, to bring restoration to the people, to get them ready for the coming of the Messiah. This was taken to mean that before the Messiah came, Elijah would come. But John says, no, I am not Elijah. This response has puzzled many readers because Jesus, later on in his ministry, says that John the Baptist is Elijah mark eleven fourteen 14 says if you're willing to accept it he is elijah who is to come jesus said that john the baptist was elijah and so how do we make sense of this contradiction john is saying i'm not the elijah and jesus says he is the elijah well here's how i think of it if you look on the screen here's some what scholars think da carson says he may not have seen as much significance in his ministry as Jesus did Leon Morris also observed Jesus confers on John his true significance no man is what he himself thinks he is he's is only what Jesus knows himself to be so what these scholars are saying is John did not actually understand nor know his full importance he was that humble he was that humble As we read the Christian tradition, we realise that John was actually deeply important, more important than what John himself thought he was. The mission of John was not to build a following around himself as a later day Elijah. The goal of his humble ministry was simply to point the whole world to Jesus. And so here's a big point that I want you to think about right now. Faithfulness in ministry is knowing who we are not. That's the first step. In humility, John confessed that he was not the Messiah, nor the prophet Elijah. Who then was John? Who then was John the Baptist? Well, John identifies himself in the humblest of terms. First, John tells us that he is a voice. John one twenty three says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. John is saying that he is no more, think about it, no more than a voice. He's like a secret radio presenter. Imagine you're listening to the radio and the radio presenter doesn't disclose who he is. He's a secret radio presenter who hides his identity so that he can humbly speak and point the world to the good news of Jesus. He doesn't care about his own identity or personality. He just wants the world to know about what is about to break into the world. And that's Jesus. Who is this good news that he speaks about? The voice is preparing the way for the Lord. As we've just heard about in the kids talk his voice proclaimed that the glory of the Son of God was coming his voice prepared people for the Lord through the cleansing of baptism his voice oriented the world to the coming of God in the flesh of Jesus Christ he prepared the world for Jesus through repentance of sin by people turning away from their old lives to be focused on the way Of the kingdom he called people to love he warned people of coming judgment he directed everyone to what was about to take place Jesus come in the God come in the flesh and the ministry of Jesus launching as Jesus was baptized in the river so John teaches us that he's a humble voice but he also teaches us one more thing about his identity John says that he is a slave. Verses 26 and 27 says, "John answered them, "I baptize you with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie." Now listen carefully, guys. John indirectly says here that he is a slave to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ ancient rabbis, Jewish teachers, taught that, quote, every service which a slave performs for his master, shall a disciple do for his teacher, except the loosening of his sandal thong. John selects this very task that the rabbis stressed as too humble for any disciple and declares himself unworthy to perform it. In other words, John humbly said that he's less than a servant of Jesus Christ because he's not worthy to do something that the disciples um, were not able to do back then. John is saying that he is a slave. So what do we learn from John today? Faithfulness in ministry is knowing who we are and knowing who we're not. In humility, John confessed that he was not the Messiah nor the prophet Elijah. He also confessed that he was a mere voice and less than a slave. Throughout the narrative, John then becomes an example to us of radical humility. Radical humility. When we think of who John is, we should think of one word. Humility. Humble. All he did all he lived for was jesus christ all he lived for was to prepare the way for his king he was humble i love what this scholar says edward clink says this unlike human religion a christian is a self evaser who has seen god and can only muster woe is me a true christian witness is less than a servant he or she is a self-proclaimed slave to christ John was a humble slave of Jesus Christ. And friends, I'd like to say today that this is also our call. Like John the Baptist, Paul the Apostle calls us to be slaves of righteousness. Slaves who practice the way of Jesus. Paul the Apostle identified himself as a slave. And would often start his letters saying that he's a slave of Jesus Christ. A slave is someone who surrenders all to Jesus, to gives their whole life to Jesus in full surrender. And so I'd like to say to that that faithfulness in ministry begins with humility. Faithfulness in ministry begins with humility. But how can we practice humility in our ministry? Here's the first lesson to take away. I want to encourage you, to firstly, to be like John. Deflect attention from yourself. This is hard to hear. There's nothing better than to be flattered. I find this true in my own life. When I'm finished doing my work or leading worship, oh, isn't it nice to hear? Good job, Pastor. That was a great sermon, Pastor. You led music so well today. The kids enjoyed everything. It's nice to be flattered. It's nice to be affirmed. But the pride in my heart, my, this all teaches me that the pride in my heart often longs for self exaltation rather than self deflection. I and we all need to remember that the pursuit of self-love, self-attention, self-esteem, self-affirmation, things that our culture is obsessed about is not actually the way of Jesus. In fact, if you want the quickest way to kill our church, it's one word, pride. If you want to know the quickest way to kill any church Live for yourself Make it all about you Make it all about yourself come, in and come into church and say It's all about me, me, me It's all about what I want, what I desire What I long for But friends Pride is deadly It's one of the seven deadly sins Pride is the, probably the deadliest sin of them all It's the way of Satan. The master of lies and deceptions. Pride is, think about it this way. Pride is like a termite. What do termites do? They eat out your house. And what happens after the house is eaten out? Useless falls apart. Think of the church like a house. And when it's full of termites, oh man... Is it going to last? No, it's gone. It's going to fall down to the ground. Let us then overcome our pride, guys. Let us confess our sin to each other. That's the best way to overcome pride is by confession. Because when you confess your sins, the light of Christ shines upon you. You realize that you are weak, that you need help, that you need grace that you need mercy, love. Let us deny ourselves and follow Jesus, carrying his cross like John the Baptist as he modelled to us what it means to live a humble life. The call is humility. The call is to humble ourselves before the Lord and only then will he exalt us, James 4.10. Augustine, who's a great... um, scholar from the past also said as a tree must strike deep root downwards that it may grow upwards so everyone who has not his soul fixed deep in humility exalts himself to his own ruin pride does lead to ruin and so the path of glory exaltation is the way of self-denial humility Like John the Baptist, I encourage you today to deflect your attention away from yourself. That's the first lesson. And the second lesson is to give glory to Jesus, all the glory to Christ. And so I'm just reiterating what I said last week here. Give all the glory to Jesus. Behold the glory of Christ. We give all the glory because through the gospel, we move from slavery to sin to slavery to righteousness through the blood of christ spilled upon the cross he conquered our slavery to satan we are liberated in service to jesus and now called to live for his glory one of the things that changes in our heart is that our attention when we're giving glory to jesus is naturally deflected away from ourselves and so if you want to work on that first point the most the best way to overcome pride is to look elsewhere to jesus Who is the greatest expression of humility and you will begin to give god the glory in your life if you do that in our slavery to jesus nothing we can do that delights god all the more than to give him all the glory and friends one of the practices in our church is as we open up our service together we said this one line gather in hope gather in hope If you want to learn how to give Christ all the glory, one of the practices of our church is to keep meeting with other Christians, keep gathering together, keep being devoted to worship. Because as we continue to gather together, we begin to develop a habit, a rhythm, that enables us to give God the glory in Monday to Saturday. And then we come back on Sunday again to be fed up for another week of giving God, giving Christ, all the glory. And so friends, the second lesson today is to be like John the Baptist in the sense of giving all the glory to Jesus Christ. So friends, let me sum up the message with these words. Faithfulness in ministry begins with humility. We practice humility by deflecting attention from ourselves and giving all the glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask Peter to come forward to lead us in a time of prayer. Thanks Peter.